You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hey, welcome to another episode of the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Uh, Today is a wonderful day. It's a glorious day. And today we're going to be talking about wholesaling. And I have very special guest on today, and he's going to kind of walk you through some of the trials and tribulations about getting started with wholesaling. So I want you to get your pens, get your paper, get your notepads, get your iPads, whatever, get ready to take notes. Because if you're just getting started, um, I want you to understand some of the psychology behind getting started and what you need in order to get started. Because a lot of people, you know, online, they say, hey, it's quick, fast and easy, get into it with no money down, yada, yada, yada. But we always like to give you the raw, uncut truth about, you know, getting started as a real estate investor. So today, um, I have Fade Aroma Laron from the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, and he's going to share with you some of the things that he had to do in order to get started as a real estate investor. So Fade, man, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. I am so good, and I appreciate you for giving, giving me the opportunity to be on here today. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So, man... Um, let the people get the opportunity to know who you are. Give us your background because you're a young brother, man. And you, you, um, you took a non-traditional route to get where you are. So kind of give us the backstory. What, how did you get started? hundred percent. Um, uh, well, I mean, I'm a Nigerian American, so, uh, my parents are from Nigeria. I was born and raised here. Um, Uh, one thing I didn't mention actually was that I went to high school in Nigeria. So uh, okay. I was born and raised here up until like fifth grade or so. Gotcha. Then right. went to high school from eighth grade to uh, the end of high school. So 12th grade. And then I came back here for college and went to uh, the local pri- uh, public school, uh, UMD, University of Maryland. Okay. So give give us some of those dynamics, man, because one of the things that I'm always seeing, you know, when I talk to people that are, uh, you know, have first generation um, immigrants here to the States, I'm yeah. the same way. My father's from Central America. Um, what are some of the dynamics that you see different from Nigeria to here as far as entrepreneurship and witnessing the opportunities that's here in the States? So, um, I can only really speak from my experience, but it's 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 pretty common, I would say, that Nigerian parents, they're just like pretty ruthless when it comes to school. It's like, that's the only way. And mm-hmm. then even on that, they double down and they're like super high standard. Um, and we only really have the three options, right? Like engineering, medicine, and law. Okay. Right? So, um, so yeah, we're all kind of like, I don't know, subtly guided in that direction as we grow up. So by the time we reach high school, college, we already know, right, what our career path is going to be. Okay. And we only really have those three options, right? So so we would have chosen one of those three. Um, and yeah, my, my parents were basically like that, where they came in, they struggled, and they did their best, and they they made sure that food was on our table and did what they had mm-hmm. to do to to really provide for us and set us up for the future and um obviously there's a there's almost like a implicit like debt that comes with that you want to make sure that after all the things that they've done and that they've sacrificed to get you to where you are right you want to make sure that they actually reap the the benefits right of of that and you actually pay them back for that and it is not like a one-for-one thing you can never really pay them back right but you just make sure that the goal is to make sure you're successful enough to be able to provide back for them and take care of them as they grow older. Right. There you go. Um, So, so for us, there's the kind of subtle 
rearing, I would say, to to become like a, a lawyer, engineer, doctor kind of thing. But at the end of the day, too, we have this, um, I would say, like implicit feeling with most Nigerians I've met to really just be successful enough to be able to provide not just for our immediate family, but also to pay our parents mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, across the board, I have seven siblings. Right. And okay. um, all of us are doing some type of thing in either medicine or tech or um, or law. Right. And um, and obviously it, that can't happen naturally, I would say. Right. Like, right, right. <laughs> okay. right. What are the odds of, of all those people lining up and being kind of in those like top producing fields? Mm -hmm. But for me, I knew that of those three, I probably leaned over to engineering the most. OK. But after having gone through um, high school and then pursuing engineering in college um it just wasn't enough right mm -hmm. like then you start hearing all these like subtle messages especially now in this generation um about entrepreneurship doing your own thing right and the downsides of <clears throat> becoming the uh the typical corporate right um, employee mm -hmm. and they have like the 40 rule where you basically work 40 hours a week for 40 years just to live yep. off of 40% of your income. Yeah. Right. After that point. So it's like all these things, I was thinking about it. And I was like, am I really setting myself up for the financial success that I want to have? Right. Cause mm -hmm. I I always come from the standpoint of I know that there are a ton of rich people out there, tons of like millions and billions of dollars. And I'm like, I don't really feel like I deserve it, right? The money mm -hmm. necessarily. But at the same time, I don't think anybody else deserves it more than I do. <laughs> right. Okay. So, okay. so I'm so, like, so help, help, help us explain that logic to us kind of briefly. You said you feel like you don't des deserve it, mm -hmm. but on the other hand, you feel like no one deserves it more than you. Yeah. Cause I guess, and I guess this is like a common thread amongst all entrepreneurs or most entrepreneurs um, is extreme ownership. Mm hmm the Ed Milet and just having accountability and just knowing that you're not really, you don't really deserve anything, right? We work at things and yep. God has promised us that if we um, will reap what we sow, mm -hmm. right? So but, it's more so that, that, that body of entitlement, there's nothing exactly. entitled to you. You have to get out there and roll your sleeves and work for it. Right. Um, right. Right. And I, I, totally get what you what you what you're saying and even coming from you know that immigrant background it's even more so ingrained in us because it's like look you don't have to have this you don't have to be here in the states we could be back in nigeria we could right. be back in panama so you have to take advantage of the opportunities that you have here so if it's going to school go to school sit in the front of the class, get exactly. all A's and be the exactly. best you can be. We're Absolutely. not going to school just to go to school. We're going to excel. And exactly. So, um, so, so how did that conversation go, man, with you and your parents, when you say, you know what, mom, pops, this ain't the route for me. I want to be an <laughs> entrepreneur. Cause I know that was, that was pretty tough pill for them to swallow. How did that conversation go? Right. So after college, I basically went to them and said, hey, I found this other opportunity. I want to go into real estate. My dad is actually a real estate agent of 20 years. Okay. All right. So, so he was already in the space. And he had known about wholesaling vaguely. Like, mm -hmm. you know, how most realtors, they maybe have heard of it. Maybe they've done one or two transactions in the past. Yeah. Yep. Maybe you get a couple of emails, but aren't like deeply entrenched in it. He knew about it. And he was like, most of the wholesalers I know of the ones I, I do know, they're not making that much money. Mm -hmm. right? So he's like, I really don't know about this. <laughs> but <Okay. laughs> also you're, you're a grown man. So do whatever you have to do. But he did everything he, he could to basically get me to just do it on the side, get a job and do it on the side. Okay. Um, and then also push me probably every week, a couple times a week to go get my, my uh, master's degree. All right. And I'm like, this is just, I'm a grown man, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I want to say that I think pretty, 
pretty logically. And I see a vision in this, right? And like, I see success in this and this is what I want to do, right? Yeah. And, um, yeah, so needless to say, they didn't like it, right? Mm-hmm. But but I kind of, I'm actually surprised that they let me stay in the house while I did it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, your, your parents always want your, your best interests, you know, even though they may not know because your desires, your goals, your appetites are different than what they have. So what they see as, you know, success is something totally different from you, you know, so you have to walk that journey and you have to walk that path. And if it don't work out, guess what? You're still young enough to say, all right, tried that, been there, done that. Now I can still go back and get my master's degree and be an engineer if that's something that I need to do. Right, right. You always have that degree. You always have that option. And it's always there. Um, and, uh, and yeah, but it was definitely it was definitely difficult getting them to understand. I think it would have been different if I was just sitting on the couch and like gotcha. watching TV all day and they didn't yeah. see like deliberate effort. Okay. But I, when I tell you, I was grinding like every waking second, I'm watching like a Max Maxwell video or a Jerry Norton video or Brent Daniels. They know okay. that I'm, whenever I take the car out, I'm not going to party with friends. Um, I'm literally going to, um, I apologize. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm literally going to uh, meetups, local meetups. And I'm coming back with stories, coming back with contacts, coming back with like all these different things and waking up the next morning and going at it again. Okay, so so let's let's kind of um let's kind of break this down. So um first of all, why wholesaling? Why was wholesaling the niche that you wanted to get into? So um I think I think it's because I realized that. I think one of the biggest assets that really got me through the whole entire experience really is I realized that very early, a lot of people think when they think of real estate, they think you need like a lot of money mm-hmm. right, to get in. Right. And I think I understood from the example that they presented at that conference that I went to, because I went to a conference the summer before I graduated the Damon John conference. Okay. And, um, and he came to Bethesda, Maryland. He had like opening speakers. One of the opening speakers was talking about, uh, or all of them were talking about entrepreneurship, though one of them was talking about real estate specifically and different ways to get in, right? And from their presentation, my takeaway was that you don't actually only need money, right? A mm-hmm. big part of real estate too, beyond the money, is relationships. Your network, absolutely. Right, your network, right, and and you could really, really make a lot of money. Like skip the money, skip the, um, the credit, skip everything, right? Like you could make a lot of money by just leveraging relationships alone and your ability to actually build relationships, right? Because so, what did, every, mm-hmm. so, so not to cut you off, but what did you do to start building those relationships? Because that's one of the things that I always tell our students and the people that I talk to that say, hey, you know what, I want to get started. Always tell them, start on building those networks, get out, start meeting people. So what did you do in order to start building those uh, networks? So um, I guess you could think of relationships in two different ways. Uh, The relationships, um, one relationship would be to go out to like local meetups and network with other investors and all that kind of stuff um, and lenders and contractors and even mm-hmm. up to it, like real estate agents and appraisers and stuff like that. But the relationships that I was referring to really were relationships with homeowners. Okay. Right? All right. Going out there. Cause you, even though it's kind of short term, it's like transaction a little bit, but your ability to actually make the most out of that transaction um, mm-hmm. really has a lot of value. Right. Okay. Like it's not about who has the most money. It's who can really get to the deal. And if you can really get to the deal, in the most efficient way and getting to the deal just means that you just sign an agreement with a homeowner at a price that has an upside, mm-hmm. right? You don't need money. You don't need reputation. You just need to be able to connect with somebody that's in distress and they need to be able to uh, obviously have equity and all that kind of stuff. But um, you need to just, just understand basic principles in real estate and then be able to just be a person, right? Where right. a lot of these people with money, they might not necessarily, because they're, maybe caught up in their day jobs, right? It's hard for them to slow down and really hear somebody out that is in distress, right? But okay. if you have a 
ability to do that and build a business out of it, right? You essentially can just sign contracts, right? And people will pay you to uh, essentially replace you in the position of that contract. So you'd sign a contract, people will pay you to actually swap into that contract instead of you, right? Which okay. is essentially what wholesaling is. Yep. And if you get good at that, of just building those relationships, then you don't really need money. You don't need, and I think that was the biggest takeaway. And that's what helped really um, get me through the period that it took for me to get my first deal, basically. Okay. So you said no to college. You went to this conference. You got excited about the conference, everything like that. What was your first foray going into it? Because I want you to come from the perspective of, hey, someone just like yourself, young, that's hungry, eager, ready to get started. What was the first thing that you did once you came out of that conference? What kind of marketing strategies did you use? Um, so I started from cold calling, cold okay. calling for sure. Um, true people search. So you can basically find phone numbers of people for free. Okay. Um, I don't personally use that anymore. I use a website called searchpeoplefree.com. I've seen that that's more accurate. Uh, just so people don't take true people search and actually start using it. And I want to give okay. them the best one. But at the time, I used true people search and um, and I was really just cold calling. Right. Right. The okay. one thing I basically tried to like pick out different pieces of advice that I would get from people that claim to be further along in this space than I, than I obviously was. One of the things that they had mentioned over and over and over and over and over was analysis paralysis. Mm hmm. Right. So we want to make sure that we're always in the motion of doing and not in the motion of <clears throat> just learning constantly. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, I basically wanted to just focus and I was constantly asking myself, I'm watching these videos. I'm going to these conferences. I am like learning after these people and paying for education. Am I caught in analysis paralysis? It was always a question because they had said that you shouldn't do that. So I was right. always asking myself. And the answer was always no, because at the end of the day, or really at the beginning of the day, um, I was making calls. Taking action. Actually taking action, right? So Fade, let me ask you this. So, um, right, you went to the conference. Where? How did you start finding people to call? Let's break it down to its very simplest compound. You know, were you driving for dollars looking at raggedy houses, jotting down the addresses and then going to true people search? Were you pulling a list? Kind of, kind of what were you doing? Because you're, you're a young guy, you left college, you're not working, you was living in mom's, mom yeah. and dad's house, you know, so, right, come on, give us, give us the raw. What were you doing? I was down and out. I will say that I was down and out, but okay. basically what I was doing, I don't think I've ever actually said this and it's crazy because I just remembered. I was driving for dollars, but uh -huh. I didn't have a car. So what, okay. but I had a job on campus. So basically what I would do, oh, wow. I forgot about that. I was, okay, <laughs> see, now we're now we getting into it. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, man. I, <laughs> I would take the income that I got from my job on campus and I would pay for zip cars. Okay. You know, like the zip cars, you can, if you have, as long as you have a license, like they'll give you the key to a car. As long as you return it back to the place, you can take the car mm -hmm. out as long as you want. I would take that car and I'd drive for dollars, basically. Wow. So, so, and, and guys, I want you to really listen to what Fade is saying. He's saying, hey, I didn't have much money. All right. I didn't know exactly what I was doing. I didn't even have a car, but he figured it out. He found a way to overcome all of those barriers to get started. So for you all that's going through analysis paralysis, sitting on the couch, watching YouTube videos, you know, and everything like that, trying to figure it out. Sometimes you just have to get out there and you have to make things happen. You know, the waters are always calm and still until you throw that pebble into that, into that water. Once you throw that pebble into the water, that ripple effect will start to build some momentum. You'll start to see things. So you were renting these zip cars, driving around campus, driving around the neighborhoods. Um, how long were you doing that? Friday. Um, I couldn't do it during the week, so I was really just doing it on Saturdays. Okay. So one day out of the week. Yeah. You were driving for dollars. Yeah. Okay. And, and honestly, at the time, I didn't. Looking back, I had no idea what I was doing. 
And like, it wasn't, I wasn't doing anything, I would say in particular that was productive apart from building the muscle of yep. really being in the headspace of looking for a distressed property, right? Because now I can eye a vacant property and like, it's like second nature to me now. And okay. also I don't mind picking up the, I could call a seller right now, right? I don't mind mm -hmm. having that conversation because I was just getting my reps up. But in yeah. terms of like actually being efficient and getting to a deal, I don't think <laughs> like I was, I was doing everything that I, I needed to do back then because I just didn't know. Right. But I was right. Trying. I was trying. And, 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 and that's one of the things that we have to do when we get started is you don't have all of the answers and you don't need to sit there and try and figure out all of the answers. But like you said, you just had to get those reps. All right, let me drive for dollars. Let me look and see what a vacant house look like. What a, what a, you know, a motivated seller looks like. And let me have these phone calls with these people. So you were driving for dollars, finding the addresses and then calling the people. Tell me how it went with your first conversation with the seller. If you can remember. Were you like completely freaked out, scared, or was it second nature? Um, I'm trying to remember. That was a long time. It's, it's I I make a lot of calls per day too. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember the ones I did last week. Um, trying to remember. Well, I'm just mean. In in the beginning, were you were you scared? Were you hesitant? You I know, know, I was definitely scared. I was definitely scared, and I needed a little bit of guidance. Um, so I didn't want to just have Oh, geez. I do remember, actually. I do remember it was it was every single college basically has like this central building that mm -hmm. you go to that like is like the food court and yeah. there's like a lot of spaces for entertainment and like the student stuff. student union student stuff union. like that. Yeah, right. right, right, right. So our student union is called Stamp. And I called somebody uh, while I was in there or at some other point, And then they called me back while I was in student union. So there was a lot of noise and everything. Right. And every single investor that's marketing and doing direct seller marketing or every single agent knows this experience that when you get a call, even if it's a random call uh, or you're, you're like, I have to leave immediately. <laughs> like, uh <-huh. laughs> like dip out. So I basically did that and moved to a quieter spot and had no idea what to say. Right. Okay. Like I didn't know what to say past. Do you want to sell your house? Right. Mm -hmm. Now I know that there are a lot more. Um, I would say better ways of making that land. Um, okay. But it all boils down to really just that. Do you want to sell? Right. And they, Absolutely. they didn't want to sell. So they, they, the, the conversation didn't last too long. Okay. But I was definitely scared, but excited at the same time. Cause yeah. like, I, this is a, they're calling me back. I can actually talk to somebody. Yeah. For one, it works. You know what? Yeah. I, I, the, the leg work that I did up front, driving, getting the address, doing the uh, search. I called, they called me back. So this do work, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, you being scared in the beginning and for you guys that haven't made phone calls or just getting started. Yes, that fear is always there, but only way you get over that fear is just having that muscle memory by continuously doing it. Naturally, 99.9% .9 of the people don't want to sell. You're going to face that rejection and it's okay. But once you get that 0.1% that do want to sell, Hey, it could be $30,000. It could be $40,000. It could be $1,500. But the main thing that you want to do is you want to prove to yourself that, you know what, this works. And Fade, by doing that, you said, now you know, wow, this works. Let me do right. more of this. Okay. Right. So, and one thing I'd say too is um, I think there's power in framing. And mm -hmm. allow people to understand exactly what you're doing. So when you're cold calling, you're not just calling and trying to get a deal as soon as possible, right? From a business standpoint, you're you're marketing, right? Yep. And every single business that we know, for the most part, they all market. And Absolutely. one thing I like to, yeah, exactly. And like one thing I like to tell people that reach out to me for help is kind of imagine yourself as a TV ad right? Where TV ads, if you see like an ad for a Ford F-150, right? And uh, it's like a 0% APR or whatever, right? And you see an ad come on, 
if you're not in the market to actually buy a Ford, which most people aren't, right? Yep. Then you're just gonna be like, I want to see my show. Can we skip this ad? Now we can skip ads. But mm-hmm. back when I was growing up, you couldn't you can skip ads. You have to sit through it. And it's like, oh my God, this is so annoying. And most people know the feeling of having to stop the show that you were you're enjoying, basically stopping your life yep. and being disrupted by this ad and the feeling that you get of really not necessarily being interested but at the same time every so often you might see an ad that actually is like somewhat interested right and actually fits your situation you might be a little bit interested so you'd be more dialed into that one versus a ford f-150 story i mean a ford f-150 ad so it's like you're doing the same thing as that 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 tv ad it's just that because you're doing it yourself you have to hear and feel every single one of those notes. Mm-hmm. The TV ad doesn't have to feel that, right? They just right. post it out there. You're forced to watch it, right? But there are these people on the other end that are furious that this ad is coming on, but they can't talk to TV. They can't talk to Ford, right? But that's, as a that's a great owner, analogy. Yeah, you're doing your own marketing, so you have to feel every single disruption that you're causing to people's lives, right? And they will tell you, right? They'll be very yeah. Vocal they will it. let you know. But that's not saying that you're doing anything wrong, right? You're just like a Ford, just like an mm-hmm. Apple, just like any other big company that we all have to do marketing. And the only difference is that because you're calling them and asking them yourself with your own effort and you're live on the call, a lot of people will get turned off and and uh, dis- and um, what's it called? They would get uh, discouraged because of mm-hmm. the responses that they're getting, but I try to let people know and try to frame it so they understand that that's just a part of the process. So, so, so Fade, how long did it take? Okay, so you were doing this. How long did it take before you got to that first deal? Took me 10 months. Okay, so guys, you hear that. You know, a lot of people tell you, you know, make your first $5,000 in 30 days, you know, make $10,000 in the next 90 days. And rightfully so some of those some of it is true but a lot of times you know the normal process is you know six eight nine ten months you know in order to close that first deal i'm right along with you Fade. it was years ago but it took me 10 months you know 11 months to close that first deal what were you psychologically what were you going through for those 10 months because the marketing costs money you wasn't working you know, um, so psychologically, did you ever feel like, man, this ain't working, I need to give up or kind of talk to the people, you know, about what you went through for those 10 months? Yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot, especially because I just couldn't afford to keep up with my friends that took the traditional path. So on the surface level, it seemed like they were doing way better and I made the, the wrong decision. Yeah, 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 yeah. I couldn't even go to dinners and like <laughs> like uh, uh, holiday trips and summer vacations and stuff like that. I couldn't do any of that stuff. Um, and technically, I would have been in that position if I just went the corporate route. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, again, with the framing, I think a lot of people don't realize this. And it's not talked about enough that when you're going into this business, we focus a lot on the fact that we're learning a new craft. Right. And you're battling that new craft, trying to trying to understand the intricacies of it, because a lot of us haven't really dealt with real estate before. Mm-hmm. Right, So Absolutely. we're learning that. But at the back end, I think a lot of people don't realize that they're also almost battling with themselves. Right. Because because you really have to form new habits when you're doing this. And mm-hmm. as a business owner, you don't have a boss. A lot of people think that that might mean that you could wake up any time. Right and get to calling every time or anytime that you want or um, uh, really show up to the work in pajamas and stuff like that. But it doesn't actually work out like that uh, because you want consistency in your business. And in order to uh, expect consistency, you have to put out consistency. And there are a lot of things you have to do outside of the business and all that kind of stuff. So my psychology going through it, a lot of it, the real estate part was easy. In terms of understanding okay. numbers and stuff, because I'm I'm I was an engineering student. Right, right. Right. So like I was like doing thermodynamics and like uh differential equations and stuff like that. Like 
no arithmetic is nothing right uh-huh. like I could, uh-huh. I could do arithmetic um so the numbers with real estate was easy and 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 i like talking to people so so the people part was easy too the heart the, the part that i was really really battling with was with myself okay my nature is i'm not a consistent person and it's gotcha. like the constant battle where i think a lot of people, if you're really consistent and you're calling six hours a day, right, for, for 30, 60, 90 days, you'll probably get a deal. Yep. Right? You'll probably get a deal, but that's not what I was doing. Right? Okay. I was not being consistent, even though I was in the space, right? I wasn't necessarily being consistent. I might call one uh one hour one day and then six hours the next day because I was just I just felt like it. And then go back to two hours and then maybe not call the next day, maybe just watch videos. Right. And, and, that, maybe- and that's and that's very, very common. And um, that's why one of my things is consistency is key, because yeah. like you said, you'll do six hours. All right. I did good today. So the next day I only do two hours and then one hour and then, hey, like you said, the other day, I won't do any calling. I'll just watch videos. And without that consistency, you're unable to track your success. So you don't know if you're being successful or not only thing you you know is that hey i'm doing this work and it's not producing yet but you can't tell if it's not producing because you haven't created that consistent uh track record so man that's so it, what with me. that's yeah what, that's yeah what, yeah that was the mental battle that i was going through to answer your question sorry and 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 that is very very common and that's what i tell people it's it's not more so what you doing it's what you're saying to yourself and what you're hearing until you get that first deal or until you get that next deal. Cause that negative self-talk is always there. It's always, man, you know what? Okay. I closed the deal, but maybe that was just luck. Maybe that was a fluke. Maybe I just found the right homeowner at, at a certain time, you know, how can I replicate this? How can I duplicate this? And if you're not consistent, you know, then it's impossible uh, to do that. So you're absolutely right. The psychology behind this is so very important. That That's the reason why. And me and my partner's co- course, he's been doing it for over 10 years. I've been doing it for over 10 years. The, we start our course with the whole consistency and mindset piece framework before we even start talking about the nuts and bolts of how to find a deal and everything like that, because you can be sitting here training and learning how to do this. But at the same time, you're looking on Instagram, you're seeing people posting checks and you're seeing people walking in the bank and all of this kind of stuff. And you're like, man, they're doing it. How come I'm not doing it? You know, is it something that I'm missing? What's wrong with me? You know, am I using the right dollar? Am I calling the right people? Things like that, you know? So, um, yeah, I just wanted to talk to the people, you know, in regards to that. So it took you 10 months to, to get that first deal. Tell us when you, what was that first deal? How did that transpire? Was that from your driving for dollars? That was from driving for dollars, <clears throat> but it wasn't the property that I actually drove for dollars on, if that makes sense. Um, okay. So it wasn't the property I actually took down, or at least that I saw. So I was driving for dollars. It was dark, and I couldn't really see the address, but I knew that there were four houses on that block. Okay. Right? So instead of just saying, like, F it and like not, not taking it down at all, I took down all four <laughs> of those houses. Okay. Yep. And I just circled all of them and decided to call all of them. And I knew I'd get that property that I was looking at. But turns out um, the guy that called me back. So I got those four and then I sent them out a ringless voicemail, basically okay. voicemail without me actually having to call them and, and actually leave one per caller. I could send them mm-hmm. out in bulk. I sent one out. He received it, but it wasn't the guy I was targeting. Okay. Right? But this guy was in more distress than than anybody I could talk to. Okay. <laughs> just so, happenstance. Just happenstance. Yep. From putting energy out there and putting effort out there, it comes back. Mm-hmm. And um, and so this guy, he basically got my ringless voicemail. He called me at five o'clock. He told me he asked me if I could meet him there that same day. I was there by seven. 
Okay. Contract by nine. Urgency. There Urgency. it is. He was yep. ready to go. He was ready to go. Um, he basically had to, I didn't even know back then really to even get motivation. He was just ready to sign. So I got okay. it. Um, eventually I realized that he wanted to move to a different location that was more suitable for the size of his family. And, uh, the property. Oh, so he was, so he was living, he was living in the property. No, and... he had pretty much moved out. Oh, okay. Okay. So he moved. Right. All right. Great. So that motivation, right. Was, Hey, you know what? He got this property is sitting there vacant and he moved elsewhere and now we need to sell it. He has rent in the new place that he's moving mm-hmm. to. And then he's now has this mortgage <clears throat> on the table. And then another thing, I wasn't too good at fact money back then, but eventually found out that he actually talked to his agent and his mm-hmm. agent already gave him an idea of where the price would come back to be because an investor was going to buy it. Okay. Now, on top of that, he would have had to um, pay her fees. Right. So he was like, geez, like, I mean, this, this is rough. And then because of the numbers, he actually was underwater. Okay. Even at the price point that it would sell for, not to talk of the fees. So okay. he was having to bring money to the table anyway. So I came to him, basically told him that I could give him 130 for the property or 135 for the property. Mm-hmm. Turns out the property was only worth a hundred grand. Wow. Right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I definitely overshot. He, mm-hmm. he had a loan balance of 120, 22 or something like that. Okay. And so he was, he was thinking from the agent that he would have to pay money to pay off the loan. But here I was giving him 10 grand above. He was making money. Right. So he started immediately. That's why he signed. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It was a deal for him. <laughs> right. It was a deal for him. So I went out, I started pushing it everywhere, trying to find or get feedback on the property, just crickets, crickets. Mm-hmm. And upfront, I approached him as a buyer. But okay. once I realized that it wasn't getting any traction, I basically went back to him and said, Hey, I am not, I can't, I can't follow through with this contract. That, but what I can help you do though is I can try to help you find a buyer. Okay. Right? So almost right. willingly getting him to understand that I'm wholesaling it. Okay. He I'm not the buyer at that point. And so he was like, okay. And I said that I would just bring people through. They'd make offers. I'd let him know what the offers are. Right? So you use just being resourceful. And that's one of the main things that I tell people. If you're going to get into real estate, you know, coming through the door of wholesaling, you have to be resourceful. You have to know how to find solutions to problems because that's all you're doing is you're solving people's problems and by being resourceful like you was you said hey you know what i'm not going to be able to take this down i'm not going to be able to do this but this is what i can do mm-hmm. so so go ahead i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you fade no you're fine you're fine so i started bringing people through the property uh got different offers and everything the highest offer i had gotten was 100 grand Okay. And basically I went back to him and said, it was, I, I, uh, I got an offer for 99. Uh Uh-huh. And then I asked the buyer to increase his offer by at least a couple grand. Um, so he went up to one Oh two and I ended up making that three grand spread. The, the seller though had to come to the table with about 23 grand. grand. Yeah. So to pay off the mortgage. Um, and now I know I could have just taken over the mortgage. That's it's a creative mm-hmm. finance, stuff, but um, but back then I didn't know. So, um, but it was still a win for him because he got a hundred grand as a quote from his realtor, but then he would have had to have paid pay the fees, yep, and closing costs and all that kind of stuff. So he would have had to pay really ten grand more than the than the uh, amount that he had to pay with me. So it was a win-win, definitely. Um, and that was an uncharacteristic first deal because most sellers don't want to come out of pocket to close a deal. So, deal, you know, right? yeah, you really got you really got blessed with that one. So yeah. that's good. That's good. So um, you were able to close that first transaction. He got it done. You said, hey, you know what? Wow, I made three grand. So you hear what Fide saying, guys. He did this for 10 months and only made three grand. Oh <laughs> you know, so. Oh my God. But I will say, I will say that I was like, like 
at the very end of my buying power. So I, I was tapped out on mm-hmm. my credit cards. I was basically negative in my bank account at that 10 month mark. Uh-huh. The three grand, like basically breathed new life into my business. Right. Cause now I can actually start putting out effort again and, and like start paying for skip tracing and start paying for these services again. Yeah. But I, was, I basically, did, I had like 15 grand in savings and like uh, a good amount in like credit card. I can't remember how much the limit limits were mm-hmm. back then, but I had a good amount. I spent everything. Yeah, and and as an entrepreneur, so guys, listen to what Fade is saying. As an entrepreneur, you have to take those risks. You have to say, okay, this is what I have to budget to get started with. And sometimes you're going to burn through all of that. And you may not close that deal until right at the end, you know, and you may have to use credit cards, something like that, in order to get that business started. If you look at any entrepreneur that started from the ground they had to bootstrap and work their way up and they had to they had to start with whatever they had you know and you had that money and you was running out but that three thousand dollars probably felt like fifty thousand dollars to you because one yeah it showed (laughs) hey this works Mm -hmm. two all right I, i can breathe new life into my business i got a little bit you know to run on you know and four now you got proof of concept man this is actually working. How can I reduplicate and do this again? So what we're going to do real quick, Friday, we're going to take a brief break here. Word from my sponsors. When we come back, we want to talk about, you know, what you're doing now and how you moved on from that first deal. So let's hear a brief word from my sponsors and we will be right back. Finding real estate deals can be a challenge, but with batch leads, it doesn't have to be. Batch Leads has created a one-stop solution for all your real estate needs. So you can find more sellers, close more deals, and maximize revenue. Batch Leads offers a comprehensive suite of lead-generating tools that cover text messaging, skip tracing, finding comps, and much more. Batch Leads help you simplify, manage, and organize all your data in one place. Batch will help you stack your lists and identify properties that appear on multiple lists and have multiple distress indicators. These sellers are likely to be highly motivated and eager to sell. Get the most powerful and complete lead generation platform in the industry. Locate sellers, buyers, and lenders nationwide in seconds. Go to batchlead.io and use promo code WELOVEEQUITY. Are you tired of seeing others becoming successful real estate investors and you just don't know where to start? You see all the Instagram posts of others being successful. You see the Facebook ads guaranteeing instant success. You look at tons of YouTube videos and you even attend seminars just to be tricked into 10, 20, or even $30,000 courses. Well, with the Deal Finders Club, my husband is here to change things for you. Have you said to yourself, I'm deadly afraid to talk to sellers and I have no confidence. I don't know where to find motivated sellers. I don't know where to get a contract from. I don't know how much to offer the seller, let alone where I'm going to get the money from to close the deal. Well, in the Deal Finders Club, Marcus and his partner, Mike, are going to show you how to overcome all those challenges and more. Find out how by going to azdfc.com. That's azdfc.com. We'll see you inside. All right, guys, we are back with Fade, and we had just went through how he closed his first deal and the process he had to go through. So Fade, coming back, man, what are you doing after you closed that first deal? How did you start ramping up? Um, so uh, I basically entered into kind of like a loose partnership with somebody. I was JVing on my next maybe five or six deals. Okay. And then COVID hit. Gotcha. So, so COVID hit, I was ramping up in a serious way. I had like five deals that were supposed to close in that March month. Um, but uh, in that same month, all five deals fell through. Wow. That's a herder. Yeah. 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 Some of them closed eventually after, but mm-hmm. um, in that month, yeah, all of them fell through. And, and um, it was, there was like a little bit of a drought a little bit and I was being inconsistent and then the partnership also fell through in that March. Okay. Uh, I didn't fall through, but we just parted ways. Parted ways. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, he's a really good friend of mine, um, but we just uh, weren't the best fit at the time. So 
Um, so yeah, I was being a little bit inconsistent again. And then I really started taking things seriously. I had hired cold callers. It wasn't really good. So I ended up okay. firing them. And then I took things seriously. And then I started getting like six figure months. Once okay. I like, I, I, I had done, um, a deal that was like 97 grand. Um, wow. That's good. Simon fee. Yeah. 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 And I, I, um, I talked to my TTP mentor and he mm -hmm. had an interview and, um, and, uh, and I closed a couple of the deals. I think I closed like four deals that month and it equaled up to 130 grand. And, um, and then I've hit a couple six figure months since then. And then also in that year, I found out about Pace Morby. So I started okay. getting creative so financing mm -hmm. okay. um, and started really honing on, on that. And, um, and then I started hiring more cold callers. So October, 2020 is when I hired, uh, my first official cold caller. She's still with me now. And okay. I've hired six cold callers or six VAs since then, um, gotcha. pick up different roles and stuff. So really, um, going from that three grand deal, uh, going mm -hmm. through a partnership, going through different drought periods and learning different things, I've been able to kind of break through ceilings and break through barriers and stuff like that and and really still come out on top but just from really persevering i would say there it is that's that's the key word right there you had to persevere and you had to be persistent so just think if you would have gave up you know right before that three thousand dollar deal you wouldn't have these six figure months stuff like that so man kudos to you for really really pushing the envelope and pressing your way through and making it to this level of success. And not many people have, you know, having a six figure month, not too many people have those and you've had multiple six figure months. So that's good. That's excellent. So tell me, man, um, you said you were hiring cold callers, uh, kind of what's your, what's your process? What does your process look like now? Um, so there's the marketing department, they handle cold calling, texting, and I have this other role called niche marketing. Um, and um, and basically they generate leads, right? Okay. Um, they push it to my Podio system. Uh, I have lead managers, two lead managers that go in. They basically talk to the seller. They rate how good of a fit it is based on what I can do. Mm -hmm. right? Okay. Learning and creative financing. They rate it hot, warm, or cold. And then... Um, they'd also get a good gauge at how soon they actually want to sell. Okay. Right? Somebody could be hot, but they need to move out a tenant and their lease ends in like three months. Right. Gotcha. So they wait, they follow up after that first month, second month, they follow up. And if they're ready to go in 30 days or less, they would send them to acquisitions. And right now I'm actually hiring um, for an acquisitions position, but, okay. but I'm doing it currently. So they essentially send it over to me. I would lock it up. Um, I actually locked up two contracts yesterday uh, using this process. Perfect. Um, okay. And uh, I essentially locked them up. I, When I talk to them, I diagnose their situation, figure out what's going on and what strategy that I have in my disposal to um, to help, help them the most. Okay. Really. And then I pitch it to them if it works and um, and I kind of read the room properly, then uh, I'd move forward and get them on a contract. And then I figure out some way to disposition that, whether it be gotcha. on a wrap or a wholesale deal or or um, or just taking it down as a rental. OK, but now, uh, do you have is anybody walking the properties for you or are you doing it just all virtually all over the phones kind of? Um, how are you getting pictures and everything like that at the interiors? So it depends. Um, it's kind of like a deal by deal basis. Honestly, I need to build a system around it. Um, if it's just a wholesale deal and I have no intention of actually buying it myself, mm -hmm. then I send somebody else out there. Okay. I have a cameraman that basically kind of poses as a contractor. Gotcha. And um, they would go out and take pictures of it. And uh, he's really good at, like angles and stuff like that. So he would take that, put it in a drive. I would okay. look at that. Um, I would agree on a price kind of upfront and then I would get the pictures. 
to kind of leverage that in the negotiations if I need mm -hmm. to adjust. And that um, way you could say, hey, you know, at the price that I offered you, you know, once we got the pictures, you know, it was a lot more work than we anticipated. Now we have to offer this. Right. Okay. Right, right, right. And this same thing, exact same thing happened with another property I contracted last week that the seller just didn't mention. I just, I went to the property myself because I actually want to take it down. Um, okay. I went there and there was like a leak right above the kitchen. All right. And mm -hmm. he had, he failed to mention. And then there was another leak at the exhaust of the HVAC downstairs okay. and also failed to mention. And um, it's like, yeah, you always kind of want to agree up front and then use the current condition of the property to kind of leverage a better price right. if, if need be. Right. Okay. So, All right. and then good. after that, we set up access, we set up the uh, Dropbox or the Google Drive. And uh, we essentially send it out. Okay. All right. So, guys, as you can hear, um, Fade started just himself getting started, had a couple of thousand dollars to work with in order to get started, whittled all of that down to nothing. And then he closed a $3,000 deal and then took off from there. So, I wanted to have you on the show today, Fade, just to let people know that the possibilities are out there when you're starting, you know, to end up making, you know, six figure months, you know, that's, that's, that's huge and being able to do that. So um, let's put you on the hot seat real quick, Fade. We kind of went through, you know, your first deal went through ramping up how you got there and everything like that. Um, we didn't even touch on the process for hiring cold callers, what you use, your cold calling scripts, anything like that. Um, because you guys, you can find that that information online. And if you would like, Fade, just let me know and I can share that in the show notes. You know, if you're using ready mode or batch dialer or something like that, that way they can look at it. Um, so putting Fade on a hot seat, Fade, <laughs> starting over, man, what would you do differently? If I was going to start over from scratch, first thing I would do, I would learn creative financing for sure. Okay. Creative financing helps with conversion, I'd say. And, and then I would track it KPIs. Okay. So KPIs tracking, tracking your metrics and getting into more creative financing. Mm -hmm. um, let's see any kind of book recommendations that you have that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, I'd probably say Atomic Habits. Okay. And Go-Giver. Okay, Atomic Habits and Go-Giver. And then kind of give us some words of encouragement, man. For those people, if you can think four years ago when you got started, you know, somebody that's sitting in that same seat that you was, you know, at your parents' house, not much money, trying to get this business off the ground. Speak to those people right now. Give them some words of encouragement. So um, I personally am a believer. Mm -hmm. right? I'm Christian. Absolutely. And likewise. You too? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, one of the things, one of the revelations I would say that I kind of learned for myself was, I mean, we all know gravity, the law of gravity, right? Like you throw a ball up, it comes down. Mm -hmm. It almost has to come down, right? And and uh, if that didn't happen, we'd lose our minds, right? Yep. We'd be like, what's going on? Why isn't this ball coming down, right? But... um. I think a law that is just as true is just not as obvious is the law of um, sowing and harvesting. Yep. Right. I think, I think God has promised us um, that as long as you sow and you do it in an honest way, you mm -hmm. will. Right. Absolutely. So the, the one thing I would say to people is same way you, you throw a ball up, and you believe with all your heart that it's going to come back down is the same way and the same conviction you should use to approach really putting an effort and just knowing that it will return to you. There you go. I mean, and, and very, and guys, listen to what Fade is saying. It's very basic. If you're a farmer, 
Okay. And you said, you know what? I want to have a harvest come the fall. What do you have to do? You have to plant seeds. If you don't plant seeds, you can't expect a harvest. But if you plant seeds, you can expect a harvest. So it's having that expectation saying, all right, God, I'm going to plant these seeds. All right. You water it. You give the increase. And at the end of the day, I'm going to reap the harvest and I'm going to take from this harvest. I'm going to plant more seeds. That way I can have another harvest. So always remember, guys, don't eat up all of your fruit. If you notice anything that you have, it's within itself. So everything has a seed. If you don't sow that seed, you can't expect another harvest. So, man, very key point. You need to sow and reap. That's the only way you can reap is if you sow. So, man, Friday, that's that's spot on, dead to the dead to the point right there. You know, guys, you can't expect anything if you don't put anything into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Friday. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you being on the show. You gave some quality uh, content and inspiration to our listeners. How can we find you? How can we get in contact with you? Um, you can reach me on Instagram. Uh, so my my at name is underscore obey, O-B-E-Y, Fade, F-A-D-A-Y, which is the phonetic spelling. It's not the actual spelling. It's spelled fade, like fade, F-A-D-E. Okay. But uh, Obey Fade. And then you could reach me on my phone number. I mean, I don't mind. Um, 443-805-0009. All right, guys. So if you, you want to reach out to Fade, he left his handles there for you to give him a call. Now, don't blow up his phone. Don't go ridiculous. But if you have a question or something like that, slide into his DMs. Ask him, you know, hey, how did you find your VA? What cold calling system do you do you use? You know, ask those questions, and I'm pretty sure that he will definitely respond. So, Fade, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you being on the show. And, guys, you know what to do. Always, always remember to enjoy the journey. All right, guys, that was Fade, um, and he hails again from the D.C., Maryland area, and I just really resonate with his story, you know, how he got started and everything like that. So just wanted to bring you some some encouragement to let you know that if you're struggling, if you're just getting started, you know, just stick in there, just stick with it, um, and you will definitely be successful. The only people that don't become successful in this business is those that give up. So don't give up, keep pushing, keep striving. And if you need help, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Go to my website, marcusemaloney.com. We have the uh, 15 minute free consultation there. You can jump on the phone with me directly. We also have our wholesale course. Um, we call it the Wholesale Equity Learning Lab, where you can jump in there and we teach you everything from start to finish all the way through. It's over 30 lessons, uh, 12 modules, plus we have bonus content in there. And it's only, and it's less than 1500 bucks. So um, you can get in there, learn everything. And then we meet weekly. The group meets weekly on Thursdays to make sure that you're not only learning the content, but you're actually putting the content into play and if you have any questions we answer those questions for you also so thank you so much for being loyal listeners once again to the we love equity real estate show it's marcus maloney signing off you guys have a wonderful evening wonderful weekend um and always always remember to enjoy the journey thank you for listening to today's show i picked up some great actionable items and i'm sure you did as well if so let me know you can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, 
please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.